Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. We've kind of walked through some things as a church body, defined some things. One of the things we've said is that our vision ultimately is to know Christ and follow him. We want to walk with him day by day. We want to know him. We want to know him more. We want to love him more. We want to recognize what he's able to do in and through our lives. We want our lives to be yielded to him. And so that knowing is not just an intellectual thing. It's actually a life issue where we give our lives to the Lord afresh, moment by moment, day after day. And in the midst of it, we walk with him by faith. And through us, he begins to reveal himself to everybody around us. And so the foundation of our journey is a vision aspect. It's that each person would be introduced to Jesus Christ in order to know him and follow him. We we want everybody to know Jesus because Jesus really is the answer for everything, isn't he? I mean, all the societal problems that we're seeing, all the unrest, all the turmoil, Jesus really is the answer. And we want people to know that. We want them to be able to experience Jesus Christ himself in all his glory, his love, his peace, his joy. And and for that to take place, we need to certainly be experiencing that, but we also need to be willing to follow him and to walk with him by faith. The purpose that we have at Hoffman Town is to cultivate, not create. We can't create it. We cultivate it. A healthy biblical community where Jesus is known and lives are being transformed for the glory of God. We want people to, to know Christ, and then we want them to grow in their knowledge and their understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to cultivate a healthy biblical community where Christ is the center And our mission, the things that we do on a day-to-day basis is to serve, encourage, and equip God's people in his word, fulfilling the great commission as we follow him with surrendered hearts. There's not one believer that's exempt from the great commission to make disciples. And by the way, that's the command, not to go, but to make disciples. It's as you're going, make disciples. As you're going, whatever it may be, whether it's out on the picnic uh, field or whether it's out at the restaurant, whether it's going to the grocery store, whether it's taking your car to the garage, it doesn't matter what it is. As you're going, make disciples. Be available to the Lord so that God in and through you would make himself manifest and begin to share the gospel of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with the people that God places in your path as the Lord leads. Well, the essentials essentials of that journey as we're on this journey are, we put it in four different ways. First of all, uh, equipping. When we talk about equipping, what's equipping? Well, it's maturing in our walk of faith with Christ through his word. We can't walk by faith if you don't know his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing is what? By the word of Christ. So how can you begin to walk by faith and walk trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ if you don't know him and you don't know his word? And if the Holy Spirit isn't working through you in a way where he's leading you into the word, it's impossible. So an essential of the journey that we're on is equipping. Certainly worship is an essential part of this journey. And worship isn't what we do just on Sunday morning. It's our attitude towards the Lord each and every day. It's yielding to him in the midst of all of our circumstances and the situations of life. Relationships are an essential part of the journey. We've been called into the body of Christ. And so our our relationships with one another are essential as we walk this journey And the fourth thing that we've said is that missions, 
And you can put it in terms of service, but serving the Lord, walking in what he's called you to actually do. And certainly missions are a part of this because the question is, how are we serving others and presenting Christ to them and presenting the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to them? How are we following God in the midst of all of this? There are certain values of the journey. In other words, how do we do what we do? There are certain essentials, but then there are certain buffers to keep us on the road. When you're driving uh, on the road and you're kind of going in places uh, that are steep and there's drop-offs, you hope those guardrails are there, right? And so the values, in effect, become those guardrails. And first guardrail is a Christ-revealed word. We need the word of God, and we need uh, a Christ-revealed word. We don't just need man's opinion about the word. We need a christ revealed word. But secondly, we need Christ-centered worship. It's focused on the Lord. It's not about us. It's not about a feeling. It's not even about the music, folks, right? Amen? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's about worshiping Him. Thirdly, a Christ-empowered relationships. Christ-empowered relationships. If it were left up to us, we're, we're pretty selfish in our flesh, aren't we? And we wouldn't relate to one another in a right way. So it has to be Christ-empowered. It has to, we have to learn to die to self. We have to learn to yield to the Lord. We have to learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to serve others and put their needs above our own. And that's why we need Christ-empowered relationships. And lastly, Christ-led outreach. Christ-led Outreach. How are we being sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he puts people in our path that were vessels to say, Lord, here we are. Use us in whatever way that you choose. Greg and I went to lunch uh, the other day, and, and our waiter came up uh, to us. His name was Fozzie. Fozzie. Interesting name. Amen. And we said, how you doing, brother? And I said, how can I pray for you? He began to share a few things, and I asked him, I said, have you ever heard the gospel Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know what the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is? He looked at me and he said, now this is right here in Albuquerque in the United States. He said, I've never heard the gospel. I have no idea what you're talking about. Folks, (laughs) Christ-led outreach. We were able to share the gospel with them very quickly, very succinctly. We're praying that God will do a work in his life, that God will use that truth to cause them to think and give them a peace of eternity on the journey. Our leadership model, this is kind of things that we've defined over the period of time. First of all, Christ-led, Christ-led. It's always uh, hilarious to me to hear about decisions. (laughs) And there's clearly thresholds of decisions. There's clearly roles and responsibilities and all that kind of stuff, baby with the bathwater. But fundamentally, fundamentally, it's Christ-led. It's Christ-led. We, we're here to follow the Lord. He's the head of the church. He's the shepherd. And so we're here to make sure that we follow him and walk with him. But we're also elder-guarded. And in what way? Well, we're talking about the word of God. We want to have pure doctrine. We want to make sure that the relationships are right. And if discipline needs to come into things for the sake of reconciliation, the elders are coming alongside with the word of God in love, in kindness, in care, in order to guard the flock. Pastor-guided, right? Pastor-guided. Not pastor-driven, but pastor-guided. Why? Because we're following the Lord. 
And so pastors are to use the word of God in order in their particular area of ministry in order to guide what it is that God has. Where is the Lord leading? The first question all of us ought to always be asking is what does the Lord have to say about this? What does the word of God have to say about this? And are we willing to follow him in the midst of it? And fourth, and certainly not least, but the idea of body engaged. Body engaged. Folks, whether it's helping out with picnics, whether it's uh, going to the hospitals in order to visit, whether it's ushering, whether it's, uh, you know, collecting the plate, uh, whether it's helping with the property, whatever it may be, we have a list that's very, very long, and we need everybody to be participants in what it is that God's led you to do to help serve the Lord, first and foremost, and this body of believers, body engaged. I mean, I thank God, and I don't know about you, but I thank God for those people who are willing to change diapers, don't you? They're precious. They are a fragrant aroma, praise God, of Christ. <laughs> Folks, everybody has a part to play, right? We're a body, and the right hand doesn't say to the left hand, the heck with you, I'm going to go my own way. Right? The right leg doesn't say to the rest of the body, forget about it, I'm sick and tired of carrying your weight. We don't do that, do we? We're the body of Christ, we work together, and all of us have a part to play. And the question is, how is the Lord leading you? How is God guiding you? What does the Lord want to do in your life? How has he gifted you? How, what are your talents? What do you love to do? And how are you engaged with the Lord serving this church, serving the Lord in this church. Well, we're a family. We're a family. We're the family of God. And boy, I love that thought. I love that truth. In Ephesians 3, I read this earlier. We're going to read it again. Verses 14 and following. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now think about that. All believers how is it that we're in Christ? How is it that we're a part of this family, the body of Christ? Is it because of our works? Is it because somehow uh, we are better than somebody else? Absolutely not. It's because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We get to walk with the Lord. We get to experience the Lord. And as a result of what Christ has done for us, we are part of the family of God. A church is a local group of family members gathered together, and let me give you a couple things of why we're here. And the first thing is to worship and glorify the Lord. Worship and glorify the Lord. Worship simply meaning yield to the Lord, surrender to the Lord. When we talk about glorifying the Lord, we're not talking about doing something in and of our own strength in order to make his name great. We're talking about yielding to the Lord and Christ transforming us so that through us, he begins to make his name great glorifying the Lord, that others would begin to see the truth of who God really is in and through our lives. We're here to learn and grow in Christ through the Word. You ought to be challenged by the Word of God, no matter whether it's in the worship service, in a K group, uh, in a life group on Wednesday nights. It doesn't matter whether it's in Awana. The Word of God ought to permeate everything that we do because through the word of God, we learn and we grow in Christ. Third, we ought to love and serve and encourage one another in and by his strength. 
I love hearing stories about Tabitha and I think Russell, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know where they went to go sit. They may be outside helping already. But I think Russell stayed the night last night in order to watch over the tents that were put up last night. Were there tents put up last night? I believe that's the case. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I was told Russell was going to stay the night on the field in order to watch over this stuff to make sure nobody came in and still. Folks, that, that's service, <laughs> right? How many of us would be willing to say, yeah, we'll go stay out uh, on, the, on the field and we'll watch over somebody else's tent? See, that, that's the point, is when we are called to walk with the Lord and follow the Lord, God begins to lead us in service, and it's unique because we're a body. We're all unique, and yet he fits us together in a way that we begin to experience the body of Christ, the family of God. And last but certainly not least, we're here, folks, to make disciples. Make disciples to share with them the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they would come to know him and then be baptized, be identified with him, and then teach them what it means to follow the Lord. What does the word of God have to say about this new life that they now have entered into? To make disciples. So let me talk to you a little bit about family this morning. What do you think of when we talk about family? What do you think of when we talk about family? It's interesting, all of us have a family in some way, shape, or form. I grew up kind of in a pretty dysfunctional family. And so there's stories, I got all kinds of stuff uh, that we went through. And so I think about family in a certain way, a certain perspective, and I'm thankful for my family now because we have a blast together and we have fun together and I love being with my family. My favorite thing to do is be with my wife be with my kids. I miss Holland desperately. She's in Chattanooga. Her tire went flat last night, and today she's trying to get the doggone thing fixed, you know? And I wish I were there to help her, because I love my child. I love my daughter. I love my son. Family, what do you think of? Let me give you several thoughts that I think of when I think of family. First of all, family ought to be a safe place. Amen? It ought to be a safe place. It ought to be a place physically or emotionally or spiritually where you're safe, where you're protected, where you can rest without fear. The way I grew up, my mom, my stepmom, not the one, Judy is my mom now, but this is years ago. We had a black German shepherd. I'm just sharing this with you. I don't talk about this stuff much, but... We had a black German shepherd, and um, there were times where I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and my stepmom was standing over my bed just staring at me. That was creepy. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't sleep well as a result of that. And all of a sudden, my German shepherd began to sleep on the bed at the foot of my bed with me. And I'll never forget one night, late in the night, my stepmom walked into the room and started to walk towards the bed. And my shepherd, family dog, wonderful dog, started to growl at her. And that was the first time that I slept fully through the night. And from then on, it was never a worry to me. See, families ought to be a place where you can come in and you can be safe, where you know that you're protected, where spiritually, where physically, emotionally, right? We're not perfect, but it's safe. It's safe. 
You, you can bank on the consistency of things. Secondly, a place of acceptance. A place of acceptance. It's a place where you can fail, make mistakes. You, you can trip up. You can actually be goofy. Anybody been goofy? I love the title of that book, We're All Normal Till You Get to Know Us. I guarantee you there's stuff that you've done that is goofy. I'll never forget in Arizona, uh, I was walking down the hallway towards the kitchen table where Jonathan was homeschooling, he was doing some work. <laughs> and he was sitting there and he looked up at me and I don't know what came over me. And I, I just looked at him and I went, and I just looked at him. I did that. And he like, his mouth dropped open. He was about eight years old at the time, something like that. He has never forgot. He's like, Dad, you are such a nerd. Such a nerd. <laughs> But you can be goofy, you can have fun, you can be accepted because you don't have to worry about being rejected. You don't have to perform. Folks, you don't have to put on a performance. You can be who you are and not worry, not fear. You don't have to be fake. You can be transparent. When you hurt, you got people that come around you and you can, you can share with them. When you're, when you're embarrassed, you can be honest about it, and it's okay. We love you. We've done the same dumb stuff. Right? When you mess up and you sin and you, you just lose your brain for a little while, you, you got people that are coming around and say, man, they may smack you. They might use a two-by-four a little bit, but they do it out of love because you're accepted. Because you're accepted. Third, it's a place to learn and grow. It's a place to learn and grow. Correction and discipline. <laughs> Who likes those words? I mean, seriously, nobody likes those words. We'd like to cut them right out, not only of the Bible, but of the English language and any other language. Nobody wants to be corrected. Does anybody want to be corrected? I mean, if you don't like the Dallas Cowboys and you like the Denver Broncos, God bless you. I don't like to be told that I was wrong, that they were going, the Cowboys were going to blow the Denver out and finally win a game there in whatever it was, 20 years. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be disciplined. But the reality of it is, when we talk about a family, a family is a place where you can begin to learn and where you can begin to grow. You can be corrected in a healthy way. You can be disciplined in a healthy way. It's for your benefit. It's for your good. It's so that you actually can learn and begin to move forward and not stay at certain maturity levels, but you can actually mature in Christ. It's also a place of memory, isn't it? I'm kind of doing that today. You look back a little bit and some of these stories and some of these things that have taken place through Hoffmantown. If we took the time to walk around and start talking and have a mic about all the different God stories, how the Lord has used Hoffmantown, 30 years in this building, how God raised the money, how God brought us to this property, the leaders that have been in place and the different things that have happened. It's a place of memory. So when I think about my family, I got, I got all kinds of memories. I was looking at one of our pictures, uh, one of my pictures on my desk this morning thinking about this, and it was us going down the, the roller coaster, and Stephanie's hair is a, is a pipe stove, and she's screaming bloody murder. Jonathan's like, woohoo, he's all good, man. You could see it in his face, nothing to it. Holland and I are dying laughing because Stephanie's screaming the whole time, and the, the fact of the matter is it was caught. I said, as soon as I saw that picture, I said, family heirloom, man, let's get that thing. I've never bought one of those uh, way too expensive pictures off a roller coaster in my life, but when I saw that one, I said, we got to have that. Why? Because it's a memory. It's good. 
fun. You can look back on it and you go, wow, you remember that time? Oh, yeah, I remember that time. Do you remember how, wow, this is how I felt? This, I mean, there's so many different stories like that. We talk about a church family. We talk about how has God been at work? Boy, do you remember that time that I went through that difficult thing? you remember that time when I went through that tragedy? you remember that family that came alongside of us and gave us food? you remember that family that came alongside and prayed for us? you remember the people that came alongside and shared with us and encouraged us from the word of God? Or you remember the good times? you remember that person that we were able to share Christ with? Or you remember that house we went to and knocked and they came to the door with a shotgun and they told us to get the heck off our property and we ran screaming saying, praise Jesus for the opportunity to share Christ. I mean, whatever it may be. We have memory. Family is a place of memory. It's also a place of hope, isn't it? It's a place of hope. It's an environment where we actually become. Where we become. I've watched my children grow up. I've watched my kids go from newborns to toddlers, on into the elementary years, now into high school, and there's great hope because we've invested our lives into them. We, we've walked with them. We've had to correct them and discipline them. We've laughed with them. We've cried with them. We've prayed with them. We've been in the Word together with them. We've helped them learn how to drive, <laughs> right? And there's great hope because we, we look at them and we go, wow, what would God do in and through their lives? How's the Lord going to use them? And so when we talk about the hope of family, we're talking about passing on to generations the truth of the Word of God and the stories and the good things and the difficult things. And what does the Word of God have to say? And let me share with you my experience about how God worked in certain ways to encourage you. And then with hope, we look at these new generations and we say, wow, what could God do? What's God going to do? See, there's hope in family. But in the midst of it, there's, it's a place of love. It's a place of love. It's where each one's valued for who they uniquely are and cherished. And cherished. Not just put up with, but cherished. See, when we come into our home... <laughs> We've got several different bedrooms, and I, I don't think it would be very healthy if, if the family walked into the room and all of the, or to the house, and all of a sudden, Jonathan went to his room, Holland went to her room, Stephanie went to her room, and I went to the, to the back door. And, and the doors are slamming, and for you know, hours they're silent. That's, that's not healthy. Right? That's dysfunctional if it continues on and on and on and on. And so the point of the matter is, is when we talk about love, we're talking about a place where we can deal with issues and problems and we can do it in a right way. We can do it in a godly way. We can do it in a free way. We can come together as a family of God. And if we don't understand certain things or we don't have the full story, it's okay because we know God first and foremost is the head of the family. He's the shepherd. He's the one that's in control. And we know that our heavenly father will discipline if things aren't going the way we think they ought to go or if we don't understand why they're going certain ways. We know the Lord will interject into that and take care of it. Why? Because he's a loving God. We're his. And he's concerned for us. He's passionate about us. 
And so in the midst of it all, when we talk about family, we're talking about a loving family. We're talking about God's love permeating through the family. There's different gifts and callings. There's ministries or service arenas. There's different personalities and strengths and weaknesses. And somehow in the midst of all of this, God begins to call us into this family and then calls us into a local body of believers to where we begin to fit together in such a way that only the Lord can orchestrate it. No program's going to accomplish it. When we yield to the Lord Jesus Christ and say yes to him and God begins to do a work in us and begins to convict us of sin and convict us of what it is that he has for us and we begin to be willing to follow him, guess what? He begins to fit us in to exactly what he wants us to do within the body that he's called us to. And we begin to relate with one another and love one another and guess what's the result of that? The body begins to build itself up in love. What a beautiful truth. So what kind of family are we going to have? How are we going to cultivate relationships and walk with integrity and love? How are we going to correct and why? We don't correct for the sake of putting somebody down. We always correct for the sake of lifting somebody up. How do we make sure there's a foundation to build on, move forward together? What's the prayerful outcome? Let me give you a three things. That was all my intros. So just, you know, we don't have K groups together today. We just have food in a little bit. So, I, you know, you're captured. You really are. You, <laughs> I love it, right? This is great. No, I'm a respecter. God's a respecter of, of time. But let me just give you real briefly three, three thoughts. Let me, let me share with you my heart, okay? I'm a prophet. Now, I'm not a, uh, somebody who's going to tell you what the future holds, that's not the kind of prophet I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prophet in the sense of thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And that's part of my spiritual gifting. And so I've had to learn, and I thank God for Stephanie, I thank God for mom, and I thank God for dad in my life, and different people in my life that have hopefully helped me not to be uh, so lightning and thunder. Because I, I've realized that there are times where I'm, I'm saying stuff or I'm working with people and I'm, all of a sudden it gets very quiet and everybody goes, oh. And it's hilarious. And I'm going, what did I say? And I have no idea how I come across. And I'm just being transparent with you. That's a work that God's been doing in my life and will continue to be doing. But the fact of the matter is I'm, I'm still a prophet. I'm a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and prophets call people to repentance you can see this through the, the word of God over and over and over again. The call to repentance. What, what's repentance? It's change of the mind. You, you thought you were going this way and you go, boy, I realize that's not the right way that I'm supposed to go. So I need to repent of that and I need to say, Lord, uh, I need your strength to go the way that you want me to go. Prophets do that all the time. It's, it's really an amazing thing. And, and I tell you, it's challenging because there's an exhortation in it. There's an admonishment in it. There's encouragement in it. But one of the hard things is when you, when you start dealing with sin, because nobody likes to deal with sin, including me, and I'm a prophet. I'm like, what? Oh, Lord. Well, I don't want to do that. Lord, really? I know the word of God. That's not true about my life. So I got to live it too. And so there's all this kind of moments where you have to say, no, Lord, it's about you, it's about your word, and it's about the truth of your word. 
But repentance becomes one of the primary messages. And there's a direction of hearts back to the Lord and his word and his ways. There's always that, hey, have we gotten off here? Are we, are we on the path that God has for us? Or somehow do we need to be recalibrated and get back into this kind of zone of where God's going to make sure that our hearts are yielded to the Lord and according to the word of God, not based on emotion and experience and all that kind of stuff, but rather based on what God has to say. And so the first thing I would just simply say to the family of God is, is there sin in our lives that needs to be repented of? Oh, I said it. I'm sorry. I know. I know. It's hard, but folks, it's true. Is there sin in our lives that needs to be repented of? Attitudes towards another person, a grudge that's being held, or perhaps you hurt somebody and and haven't repented of it, or perhaps somebody hurt you and you refuse to forgive them, and as a result, you're in sin now and you need to repent of that. Or perhaps it's an attitude towards authority and there's frustration and distrust. Maybe there's gossip and you need to repent of it. Folks, welcome to the normal Christian life. All of us struggle with this, and all of us deal with this, and all of us at some point or another have got to be confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in a kind and gracious way and be reminded that that's not what the Lord's best for us is. What the Lord's best for us is to walk with God and to follow him and to experience him so that we can experience his love. Because if we don't do that, guess what? We quench the spirit of God and we grieve the spirit of God. And so the first thing I would just challenge you today and just say as the Lord leads and as the spirit of God works in your heart, is there any sin in your life that needs to be repented of? And the second thing I would say to you as a pastor, as an elder, as a shepherd right? As somebody who is called by the Lord in order to feed the flock and help the flock be nourished with what? The word of God. I would simply encourage you and ask you, how's your walk with the Lord? How are you in his word? How are you following God and experiencing him and growing in Christ through the word of God? Because if you're not in the word of God, guess what? Sin is going to harden Sin is going to somehow become roots of bitterness. When you're in the word of God and the word of God is working in your heart and the Holy Spirit's using the word of God to teach you and equip you and grow you, correct you, admonish me and everybody else, guess what? God begins to grow us and, and it's impossible for us when we're in the word of God and God is dealing with us to stay at a certain level. God begins to grow us. God begins to raise us up. How are we doing? How are we in the word of God? How are we growing in Christ? How much time are we spending with the Lord in his word? How much time are we spending with the Lord in prayer? I love what Charles Spurgeon said on this. As a pastor, as an elder, as a shepherd, I I would simply say this. Uh, What Spurgeon says here is absolutely correct. He says, we preach Jesus Christ to those who want him. And we also preach him to those who do not want him. And we keep on preaching Christ until we make them feel that they do want him and cannot do without him. Isn't that great? We preach Christ in season and out of season. For those who don't want Christ, we keep preaching Christ to them. Why? So that they begin to realize, oh, I think I I need Christ to the point where they realize, oh my goodness, I can't do anything without Christ. 
we also preach Christ to those who want Christ because then we grow more. Amen? And then we begin to experience him more and walk with him. We get into the word of God, folks. We get back to the basics. We make sure that we're in prayer. We make sure that we're sharing the word with others. Psalm 96.2 says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Think about that. We proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Can you imagine whatever the number here is, 800, whatever it may be, and if every one of us said, Lord, today is your day, I'm your vessel, and I want to proclaim good tidings of your salvation to whomever you put in my path as you lead and empower me to do. Can you imagine that? Be incredible. (laughs) People wouldn't know what to do. But I think that's what we ought to be doing, isn't it? Well, lastly, let me share with you just as a person. Personally. Personally. Oh, there's so much hope. I want you to know that I love and respect you more than what I could ever even begin to put into words. Uh, Our time here has been amazing. Oh, some of of it's been tough. I'm not going to lie about that. But I'm going to tell you something. I've learned so much. I've watched the shepherd work in ways I just, I'm amazed by it. It's made an eternal life mark on me. I'm not perfect. I know you know that. You don't got to say it, but I I know you know that. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is I love the Lord and I love you and I respect you. And I'm thankful to God for Hoffmantown Church. And I'm thankful for how God has used Hoffmantown Church, the body of believers at Hoffmantown Church, over the last 60 odd years. Incredible what God has done through this body of believers, what God is doing. And so I want to encourage you that personally, I see the Lord working all around us. And I'm watching God do things here that it's amazing to watch. I had somebody tell me, because this is what's happening, right? We're going from a seeker-friendly movement, and whatever you think about that, that's not the discussion right now, but we're going from seeker-friendly to an equipping church. And we had some of the people from Chafer look at us and say, we've never heard of a church doing that. It's always the other way around. Now think about that, folks. What God's doing here at Hoffmantown is I believe something that God is going to use as we yield to him, as we surrender him, as we continue to follow him, that's going to be a story throughout this entire nation for his glory, for his honor, because of who he is, because of his grace. Psalms 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And let me just give you a real few quick things. What holds us back? What holds us back? One of the things in Scripture that's used in this is the foxes. The foxes. You remember the story about Samson. How he went and caught 300 foxes, two by two, tied the tails together, put a torch in them, and sent them out into the fields to burn the fields of the Philistines. Do you remember that? Remember that? The foxes. Well, all through Scripture, and particularly Old Testament, foxes become a picture of something that's causing distraction or destruction. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. 
It's a relationship issue in that particular passage. In Lamentations chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Because of Mount Zion, which lies desolate, foxes prowl in it. The picture is of foxes taking advantage of the desolation. Or in Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 4, writing to the prophets, he says, Oh, Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. Meaning the foxes have become very settled in the midst of difficult things because they've made it all about themselves and they've figured out a way in order to make it about themselves and be comfortable instead of helping bring repair to the ruins. Well, what are the foxes of the field? As we follow the Lord and as we walk with the Lord, what are the things that uh, suddenly we find in the midst of the small portion of the vineyard called the church that we're a part of where all of a sudden we find foxes? Well, there's foxes of gossip. Foxes of gossip. Oh, the tongue brings so much destruction, folks. We tear down things in a way and all of a sudden there's foxes of gossip. And that which is not fully understood and fully known suddenly becomes something that people tie into and it hurts and it causes pain and it tears down instead of building one another up. Foxes of gossip or foxes of busyness. We can be really busy and we can actually cover up the problems. We can have great activities. We can have all kinds of things going on. But in the midst of it, the heart of the issue, the heart hasn't necessarily been dealt with. Or foxes of distraction. Foxes of distraction, where you're suddenly going and you're, you're doing the things you're supposed to do and you got your eyes on the Lord and all of a sudden, bam, something hits over here. Whoop, everything goes this way. Because it's distracted from what God has. There's foxes of rebellious attitudes. <laughs> when you think about teenagers within a, within a home, think about that. What happens to the family when suddenly somebody who perhaps is a teenager in the home decides they're going to do it their way and they're not going to listen and they're not going to submit and they're not going to obey and all of a sudden you've got a problem within the family and it's been stirred up and boom, there it goes. There's all kinds of things that we could go into. Folks, you, you know this because we live it, don't we? We're part of the human race, and we need Christ. That's why we need his grace. Let's guard one another and ourselves from the foxes. Because what happens is a whole body begins to get distracted onto the main thing, which is Christ and his word and the gospel and the goodness of God and family and all the good things that the Lord has in store for us. We're seeing all kinds of things take place in our country now, aren't we? My goodness, we could go on and on about this, the disrespect toward the flag in our nation. Unbelievable. The lack of respect is indescribable. And then the people that are calling people out for the lack of respect are being told they're being disrespectful and being divisive. <laughs> what? It's a little upside down, don't you think? I won't go into all this. But I'll tell you what, folks, we need to be in prayer, don't we? We need to be walking with the Lord in a way where we're arm in arm. The picture in the Bible is where by faith we're locking shields together. And no matter what the attacks of the enemy are, we're walking with our Lord and we're walking together in the midst of the season and the time that God's called us to. And through us, God is being proclaimed in a special way. Are you there? Folks, we're family.
And we've been called into the family of God by God himself because of what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. How are we walking as family? How are we walking in his joy? How are we walking in the expectation of experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me read you a a quote from uh, Henry and Richard Blackaby, and I'll close with this. Who will rise to make a difference in our day? Unquestionably, evil motivates men and women to spread death and destruction as far as they possibly can. Proponents of false religions and atheist philosophies are aggressively vying for dominance in popular thought. Evil dictators are willing and able to extinguish lives by the millions to perpetuate their power. We cannot afford to remain indifferent. Either we accept God's invitation to step out and affect our environment, or we become victims of those who are pushing their own agendas. Amen. He goes on, he says, if Christians around the world were suddenly to renounce their personal ambitions, their life plans and their aspirations and begin responding in radical obedience to everything God showed them, the world would be turned upside down. How do we know? Because that's what first century Christians did and the world is still feeling the impact. Awesome. Are we willing Say, not my will, but thine. No matter what it may be, no matter what it is that the Lord calls us to, no matter what the Lord asks of us, we're willing to say, yes, Lord. And to experience God transform us not only from the inside, but also from the inside out so that people all around us begin to recognize we truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're willing to walk with him and follow him no matter what the cost. Are we willing to do that? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. 